Is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Hey, it's been a while. It has been a while, but as the uh, seasons start to change, it is definitely getting colder out there. Chill in the air. Time to fire up the hot stove. Yep, we're doing it again. And yes, Curtis Rogers with us today. And going forward, whether he likes it or not, because I'm not doing this by myself. <laughs> I do not like talking to four walls. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, kind of go and you hope that somebody hits stop on the recording, right? And most of the time that happens, but sometimes it just keeps on going. Uh, Curtis, uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about when I was uh, thinking about the first podcast that we would do, you know what, this is the first normal off-season in a while, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it was the 2019 offseason going into 2020 that was normal until we got to spring training. And all heck broke Yeah, loose. and then the entire world <laughs> shut down. Stopped. And that was the end of that. Uh, then you had the 2020 going into 2021 offseason. Okay, so that was normal. That was, Except yeah. it was coming out of it, so yeah, it wasn't exactly. really normal, and there nobody were, knew what could they spend, what is yeah. the market going, so not really. I think there's still trepidation about what they were doing. And then last year, was it December 1st is when? Lock the doors. Well, yeah, when the lockout happened, and we were just talking hypotheticals about baseball for With like the absolute you know, transaction palooza yes, before absolutely. that, and then what's going to happen when it's unlocked? And we saw what happened. Some things were not what we thought they would be. Trevor's story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was you know, thinking, hey, at least right now, back to, dare I say, normal. It does feel good. And I think it, uh, it was pointed out on Wyman and Bob this week with John Morosi, who was at the GM meetings, that this will be the first winter meetings that baseball's had since the 2019-2020 offseason, which the winter meetings historically have been a place where deals have gotten done. Maybe not a million deals or whatnot, but there tends to be a couple big names that get off the board during that time. A little bit less then I'd say in the last 10 years, not quite as much. It used to be the place, and now we're seeing a little bit happen more between the GM meetings and then definitely after. You kind of have, okay, somebody's going to sign quick, and then everything's going to stop, then one person is going to sign, and you're going to have a week of signings. Yeah, then it's going to be just and like, Yeah, but you're not waiting up. for the meetings, and then everything is quiet, and then in January things go a little bit nuts. So you're waiting for that one player to break. Is it a pitcher? Is it shortstop market? So all of that. So yeah, I don't expect a ton is going to actually happen there, but it is always a great opportunity to get there and talk to everybody. Everybody is in one place, but it's just good to see baseball booming and the talk booming again and uh, kind of be back to something normal. I remember last year, it was so fun to see what happened with the Palooza. And then now what? It was, you know, just, I mean, it's part of me, and I think we all talked about it. It would be great if there was a dead period or a signing period so you can take December off. Um, but I'm not sure that's the best thing for the game. So we'll go ahead and do it this way. And what an interesting off season ahead for the Mariners. And as important as last year was, I think this year is even more yeah, important. It, it definitely ratchets up, especially because you have now ended the drought. There is not that that looming conversation among every other conversation had about the Mariners. It's, like, it's no longer, yeah, but they haven't made the playoffs in two decades. They have made the playoffs. And now you want to build off of that. You have set the expectation of making the playoffs. How do you get back to it? Which is a conversation we have not had in this town for as long as that drought existed. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Just figuring out things around here. Absolutely. Just playing this thing by ear. But not really. I did a piece earlier in the off season, and uh, the plan, as was set out after the 2018 season, I mean, it is basically gone according to plan. I think the only unplanned thing was the COVID season, and all of a sudden having uh, two months of a season and no minor league season sets things back a little bit. But I think as evidenced by the Julio Rodriguez signing, the Luis Castillo signing, uh, now you're kind of into that maintenance and add and, and you know, expand and, and keep your own. Um, and I think that going into this off season, I think we're looking at something, and I think we should be looking at something very different. We know they tried to spend last year. We know they had big eyes for big players, and it didn't happen on the offensive side. It did happen on the pitching side with Robbie Ray. But this year, you know, there are a couple of things that I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about the guy that can play everywhere. And <laughs> you've, you know, we, you've we, had enough. We've had enough. They no, they've got those guys. Yes. They're great. They don't need another one, but I think you know. Obviously, I think you can target specifics. I don't want to hear about the question mark. Maybe bounce back guy. I, I think that you want the guy coming off of surgery. The guy who two years ago was an all star and then dropped off last year. And we think we can do something yeah, here. You know, we think you want still the something specific here. target. And if he is a high ticket item, I think obviously this year is the year to do it. They were ready to do it last year. Now they've made some big investments. Julio Rodriguez can get paid a lot. Um, Robbie Ray, they uh, last year, Luis Castillo. I mean, it's different. They're starting. You're starting to see that payroll tick back up, and you have to also take take into consideration not what it is this year, but in the years coming up, they're going to get more expensive without doing anything as they bring up good players and they hit arbitration. Going to see a lot of arbitration salaries in the next couple of years, but um, this is where they should be, and this is where you are looking to add and not have the needs that you had in the past. Uh, I don't want to hear about club control either. <laughs> You mentioned the Mariners' <laughs> payroll heading into 2023. According to Spotrac, uh, last year the Mariners were around 19, 20, 21. They have the 13th most dollars already committed towards their 2023 payroll. So if it just goes chalk from here on out, the Mariners are going to be among the top half of the league in payroll. That's if they you know, are able to keep up with the what 12 teams in front of them and maybe some teams behind them you've got the rangers currently a team behind them we know they're going to be aggressive they were aggressive last offseason they're really trying to jump start things down there um so it'll be interesting to see where the mariners kind of slot into that if they hold that number 13 ranking or if they go up or down which is where they kind of were when they did tear all this thing down. They yeah. were kind of right in the middle, 13 to 15, along those lines. But they do have some needs. They should have some dollars. What are we looking for? That's what this show is all about. And I do wanted to kind of take a quick left turn. You mentioned the Rangers. Jacob DeGrom there. You Boy, heard the news. Yeah. yeah, that's, what, yeah. Uh, I don't like that. I mean, even though, <laughs> even though Jacob DeGrom coming off a, a season where he missed most of it, uh, when he is healthy, he is a top two three pitcher in baseball and the rangers have desperately needed starting pitching for what seems like a decade now uh no better way to announce like hey we're we're going for it than getting probably the most sought after arm in free agency this offseason now there are plenty of risks that come with jacob Degrom, but uh putting yourself out there like that like he did uh, boy making your intentions known I'm sure everybody in the AL West uh, kind of perked up when they heard that. Some perking up in a good way, some perking up in a way that's like, well, that's concerning. Uh, I I will say, as us who cover the Mariners, uh, boy, 
having to face Jacob DeGrom as much as, as the Mariners would have to, that is not something I would look forward to, even if he is kind of on the downslope of his career. And I do think, and it was funny because when they did embark on the plan and they they did tear everything down, one thing that didn't happen, and it's very significant, and is I think kind of the one part where they missed on the plan and they have to adjust, is there was a thought there would be a window with the Astros. There ain't no window. There's a window. Yeah. You got to break it down. They're not opening it. The Astros have a very good breeze coming through their window, and <laughs> maybe it's jammed or something. But that window is not closing. No, and uh, you know, I think the Angels are going to be in disarray for a while. Uh, Oakland, who knows? But the Rangers are uh, apparently willing to spend with what they did last year. The thought is they've got another big spend in them, and uh, you don't want to hear this, but Degrom probably only be three years, so it's not that much. Of a commitment, yeah, it could be like record dollars, but again, the commitment there isn't uh, too terrible. They could build up a little bit quicker. They appear to be a desired destination. I don't think it hurts that they got Bochi. I think that that probably that's another yeah. that that probably helps there. So I think that when you are looking at you know obviously, obviously it is the Astros that you have got to battle, but you also got to keep an eye on what's behind you as well. And and I don't think anything is going to be easy in the Mariners' path. Yeah. But they have taken the biggest steps forward. And they're not the only ones. You know, the Yankees, and I'm, I'm so curious to see what happens with them. And they came out in their postseason press conference and, you know, well, what do we have to do to beat the Astros? They seem to be a little bit further off. But what we haven't seen from them in recent years is their crazy spending. They have not gone absolutely berserk. They could go berserk this year. And that yeah. could impact you know, what is out there. So for the Mariners, very interesting to hear. And Jerry DePoto, if you haven't learned by now, he's very upfront in what he wants to do. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Definitely. And he gave us a lot of nuggets from the GM meetings this week in Las Vegas. Shannon, I think this would be a good time to start kind of dissecting what he had said uh, to the media uh, in in Las Vegas. Let's start with Mitch Hanniger. Not given the qualifying offer, what is it, nineteen point six five million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, which would mean he would become an unrestricted free agent if they're not able to work out an agreement prior to the deadline uh, for free agency. Shannon, what does this mean? Because everybody hears Mitch Haniger and you associate him as as one of the leaders of the Mariners, and it's hard to envision him wearing any other uniform. And people kind of read, oh, the Mariners didn't extend him a qualifying offer. That means they don't want him. That's not necessarily the case. No, I, I think I think what that means is they didn't want him at $19.6 million, and it's it's that easy. And I, I think that Mitch Haniger has um, a lot of value as a player. I, I think he has very appreciated value as to what he is behind the scenes in the example. Let's not forget that he was the example when they tore this down. They kept him because they wanted him to be the example. They could have gotten a ton for Mitch Haniger. Um, and he was one of the remaining faces up on the side of, of T-Mobile <laughs> Park uh, that you could identify when all of this happened. Um, but it, to me, the fact that I'm not surprised that they don't give him the qualifying offer because that's over double what he earned last year. Uh, I think there are encouraging signs in that I do believe that Mitch really does value um, what is here and loves that clubhouse. And I think there is a good part of him that does definitely want to come back. I think there is a good part of the Mariners that want to bring Mitch Haniger back. But the fact that it didn't get done beforehand 
um, that it wouldn't have been out of the ordinary to hear in the last week when you have that, you know, five days that you can exclusively negotiate. We've seen some other teams, you see something come up, um, that nothing got done. And the Mariners' messaging has been, and when I say the Mariners, Justin Hollander, Jerry Depoto, he's a free agent. Of course he wants to go out there. He's earned that right to go out there and see what the market is. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I think if they had put a good, deal in front of him, and I don't know what a good deal is, uh, maybe he would have signed that. It, it to me, seems that, yes, they would like him back, but they're only going to go so far for it. Yeah, at, uh, more so on their terms than on his. And, I mean, look, Mitch has earned free agency. Like, that is something that very few guys in baseball get the chance to experience, get the chance to go through. And he is a guy that deserves that payday or deserves a much bigger payday than what he's been getting during his major league baseball career. And like he's put in the work, he's put in the time uh, to be able to have this opportunity. I mean, that's something that a lot of guys would, would love to be able to do. Um, But you look at now with Mitch Hanniger's status with the Mariners, obviously up in the air uh, with him potentially hitting unrestricted free agency here within the next couple of days. Uh, what does that do for their outfield situation? Because Julio, Silver Slugger Award winner, announced that today. Uh, he's your only sure thing right now in the outfield. Right. And to recap, you do have Jared Kelnick. You do. You have Jesse Winker. You do have Winker. Jesse Winker. You do have Taylor Trammell. You've got those guys. Obviously, you can field an outfield. You've got you know Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore, who I think they are listing both as outfielders now. Interesting. On, on it's happened. They're no longer infielders in the outfield. They are outfielders. Um, but obviously, it's uh, they have talked about one, if not two, and they have talked about wanting to have a rotation of four, not a fourth outfielder, but four outfield. And we've seen them do this. They rotate players through the DH spot. So I, I think that. I think that the Hanniger question, I think that there is a, a picture that you can see if they have Hanniger and another if they don't. If they don't have Hanniger, I think you're looking at two for the outfield. What route would they take? Because uh, the big prize of this offseason in free agency is Aaron Judge, but I don't think there's anybody right now that's like, oh, yeah, the Mariners are in on this guy. I, I don't see that ever happening. Um, but is there – are there guys either via trade or via free agency, maybe on a second or third tier, that would fit what the Mariners are looking for? Well, you're hearing Brandon Nimmo right now, who is the number two. From the Mets. From yeah. the Mets, if, if you look at most of the rankings of the outfielders, and, and that seems like that could make a lot of sense. I think that you have to look at, and, and it can't just be the outfielders, but I think you also have to look at what you are looking for in the middle of the infield. And, yes, they have – put out a, a you know heavy preference to keep J.P. Crawford at shortstop. And that will be the situation until he is not. And that is the safest thing to say. <laughs> so what is – we heard DePoto talk about J.P. and doubling down on J.P. at shortstop. I mean, what would that mean? Because, look, there are, again – a great crop of free agent shortstops available. Last year, Marcus Simeon was somebody that the Mariners had interest in. There was varying levels of interest in Trevor Story, and I think a lot of fans wanted to see them make a move in that regard. Didn't come to fruition. But, yeah, doubling down on JP at shortstop again, but also not 
fully closing the door on adding it. Right, and and I don't think they are at all. I think that the door has been open, left open just a squeak, and I think it's a situation where they get into a situation where they are able to get one of the premier shortstops out there. It might be a call to JP, hey, what do you think about this? And JP saying, well, yeah, I'm not going to say no to not go get this guy, and yeah. if this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. But why do you approach him with that before if it's probably – you know, if the odds are, and and these are cruel odds right now, but if you look at the names that are out there and where they could go, um, and look at what happened last year where you were definitely willing to go out there and spend the money. Um, they weren't in on every big name last year. I know a lot of people wanted to think, oh, they like this person. or like, no, they, it was a little bit more focused than that. Uh, Trevor Story did, clearly did not want to come to Seattle. I think that changed a little bit after the lockout. I think he might have been on board a little bit more, but uh, that's out of your control at that point. Also out of their control last year, Marcus Simeon. They weren't really given the opportunity to talk to him. Yeah, his agent kind of shut that down. Yeah, and... it's Scott Scott Boris had a plan. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, along those lines, those those things happen, and there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get it. So why make that ask until you have to? I think it is as simple as that. And what's really interesting, and, and again, this goes back to left field, you have to, I think offensively, you're looking for the premier offensive players, right? doesn't really matter for sure. if they play outfield, if they play middle infield. But the only thing that would be tough to take on right now would be a first baseman or a third baseman or a catcher if they were a premier offensive player. Yeah, those, those spots seem pretty locked down. Right? Pretty locked down, and you're not going to bring in just a DH. You know That no. is not a Jerry DePoto-Scott service team. The DH is, is a player. They're a position that will be rotated through. So what are you looking for offensively right now? And I think a lot of Aaron Judge hits lots of home runs. He does do that. Home runs is not the issue with this Mariners yeah, team. team. hit many in the season second half. They hit many throughout the season. Right. So you are looking, obviously, for a more contact type player, an on-base guy that can be on base for these guys that hit home runs and keep the line going. And I'm not talking about, you know, some kind of, you know, you, there are players that are more exciting than others that can do that. Um, Are you looking for... And then you've got some flexibility in it. Obviously, you are looking for a premier offensive player that is somewhere in the lineup in the vicinity of Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> now, does that mean Julio continues to hit leadoff, or can you find a leadoff hitter that is going to be on base for Julio? And if your second player that you add is somebody that is going to lengthen that lineup a little bit. I mean, is Julio always going to lead off? No, you, you probably see him at two. Eventually, you, you see, you Eventually, you want him at two, yeah. right? Um, so you could be looking for a one. You could be looking for a two. And that's not necessarily your guy that's going to be hitting 30 home runs a year, and that's fine because you've got the guys that can do that. Um, defense can play into it. And something that uh, I, Jerry DePoto talked about at the end of the year press conference, and I kind of like, really? And I was kind of scratching my head, and I'm like, is, is this kind of, you know, this sounds good? Is this something that's real that we are now hearing from other general managers? Is all of a sudden, second base is now a defensive position again. Interesting. It used to be that you could go for a Robinson Cano at second base, that you're going to be looking for for much more offense. But with the shift going away, ah. that is what they pointed to, to being more significant than actually what your hitters 
are doing. And that to me is like, well, do they not want to kind of divulge how they're looking at that? And that's why I was scratching my head. But now I'm hearing this from other general managers is without the ability to cover for a poor or below average or even average second baseman, you've got to have somebody that can play because the shortstop is not going to be able to shade as much or play over and you're not playing the shifts, which was easier for the second baseman. Yeah, defensively, I mean, I hadn't really considered that in terms of free agency, how the shift, the banning of the shift was going to impact the market on on second baseman. And we just think of it from an offensive viewpoint, especially guys like Carlos Santana, who had uh, you know great stat cast numbers. Uh, and it was like, <laughs> oh, man, this guy, once you get rid of the shift, he's going to be Barry Bonds right. out there. Right. But also, you've got to look at it on, on the opposite viewpoint of you know who are going to be guys that will help you out in that you're going to need premium outfield defense and right field you're going to need guys at first and second base that can pick it and uh yeah especially it also makes me wonder if you can sell second base a little bit more that it is a more important position right now yeah defensively too and maybe we see the market for that uptick uh, to a point where those guys are getting more dollars than what they've gotten in the past just because of now their importance you know your shortstop is obviously going to be your most important position on the infield like that's the guy who makes the big dollars on the infield but second base now you bring up a a great point there Shannon of like that becomes all the more important now that they're going to have even more opportunities uh, or because you're not going to have your shortstop playing on that side of the ball when a lefty's up. Right, right. So that is something, I think, to really take into consideration. It's not somewhere where you can just stash a bat anymore. But again, the importance of that position, all of a sudden gaining a little bit uh, of uh, spotlight, and again, not just from the Mariners. You're hearing this from other GMs as well. That kind of uh, intrigues me a little bit, if that would make it a little bit easier if you do get a shortstop to move either the shortstop that you get or JP to second base. And the Mariners will put a premium on that defense. I'm fairly certain of that, especially with no shift. (laughs) So uh, along those lines, I think that's got me looking a little bit differently at those options that it's going to be important. So looking at the spots that are of need for the Mariners, where everybody wants to have the the who, who do you go after? But I, I think it's more important that we figure out what they need to go after before you figure out the who. Shannon, what do you look at on this roster as a spot in in need of somebody new or in need of of just getting somebody in there well I, I think obviously you know what Jerry Depoto stated obviously you've got to have somebody at second base or short and, and moving JP which they don't want to do but I think they would if push came to shove and if they got the guy that they wanted and two outfielders if not Mitch and still leaving the door very open for Kelnick. And let's remember that, you know, he is, what, 24? Uh, he just turned 23, 23. I think. So, you yeah. know, I'm I'm not panicked that he's not there yet, especially considering that they lost a year with COVID. Well, and, and again, in September, September Kelnick showed up again. He, yeah, he kind yeah, of fizzled a, a little to bit point. toward yeah, the end. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still giving him room to figure it out. He is still very young and came to the organization not with a ton of experience. His high school baseball was not what most have, you know, yeah. and he was still, you know, so young at every level. It's, you know, I'm I'm not panicked about that. I think you allow room for grow, uh, for him to grow. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I think that there's still something very much there, but you don't pencil him in right away. Although 
Jerry said it sounded like he was in that four-player mix or close to that four-player mix, too, when he was on with Brock and Salk earlier this week. So, um, you know, along those lines, I think those are the obvious. I think it's intriguing what's going on with the bullpen and with the pitching. You know, we fully anticipate them trading one of uh, Marco Gonzalez or Chris Flexen. Do they go further? You know, if they're looking at Senga right now, are they looking at him as a starter? Or are they looking at him as a reliever? I tend to think possibly as a reliever. But, you know, if you're able to bring him in, you know, could you make another trade? Could you trade two? What are you going to get at that point? Not sure. And one thing that I would love to point out for all the grousing that you hear about Marco Gonzalez on Twitter, he's giving you those five, six innings every fifth day, which is huge during the regular season. Yeah, he's he's definitely been in terms of just going deeper into games or going deep into games we haven't really seen that drop off from Marco in years past or in the last couple of years uh he's still hitting those same innings counts that he had over the last you know really over his entire Mariners career the strikeout numbers are down obviously uh the walks are up a little bit but he is still giving you the kind of innings you want out of a number 4 or number 5 starter um you and you, most three runs or less. Yeah. The vast he, majority, three runs I or less. I believe he and over led the Mariners in quality starts last year. 30 was, starts, there's a lot of value to that. Yeah. So he does have value to the Mariners. He does have value to other teams, especially as a lefty, especially as uh, a guy who is a veteran. So where is his value? Chris Flexen, another guy, $8 million is his contract this season. Uh Another guy that can eat up innings uh, because I believe what he led the Mariners in innings pitched in 2021 and led all of baseball in innings pitched in 2020. So there's value there as well for him. So if they can maybe use one or one of those guys to go out and get a, a bat or, or whoever, I, I think that's a route that is very possible for them to take. Yeah, but I'm I'm not sure what the return is going to be on that. But the other intriguing thing, if they are looking at Senga, if they are looking at others, uh, that would also free you up to trade a young starter. And at that point, are you going after a much bigger, younger, and I said I don't like club control, but we will throw out club control <laughs> right here, type bat either at second base or the outfield. and. Jerry has been upfront about, yes, trades will be a part of this. Yeah, and we saw them deal a young starter in Brandon Williamson last year in spring training to go out and get Suarez and Winker. They still have really good starting pitching in their minor leagues, Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, to name a couple guys at the very top. They just protected Baroa. They and did. That is a name that is, is, no, is gaining yeah, notice around baseball. He came out of nowhere. They got him, I believe, in the Donnie Walton trade yep. in San Francisco last year kind of as a throw-in, and then all of a sudden this guy was striking out everybody in the minor league level. Uh, I think he averaged something like 14 Ks per nine innings as a starting pitcher last year, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, Command issue, but yeah, yes. He's, I think he's got a two-pitch mix, um, so obviously going to try to work on a third if he wants to become a starter at the major level. But he's he's got those those, you know, numbers that you look at, and they're very tantalizing. It's like, oh, man, what could this guy become? But – Looking at at the pitching side of things, Shannon, um, again, what do they need? Because we saw in in the postseason, your high leverage guys, Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald, they were used a ton. And I think in Seawald's case, there were times where maybe the moment was too big for him or whatnot, but it, it just 
felt like these guys that you were relying upon all of a sudden was like, uh oh, this this is not going well. You you need a some someone you can pivot to in a moment of chaos like that. Right. And I mean that that yeah, that might be a better second half pickup, but I also we've talked about how fickle bullpens are. And yeah. this this bullpen was not largely unchanged, but a good amount unchanged from the year before. So I do think that you do look at um I would feel better if, if we did see something new in the bullpen. Maybe not in the most impactful situation. Obviously Munoz is still going to be you know, your big guy, Brash, um, you know, you hope that you see him in the bullpen, although they're going to let him stretch out as a starter. Yeah, that was interesting, too. Which also could be interesting along the lines of, does that mean that they might be looking to package, you know, one of the younger pitchers, if they might be willing to give up one of the names that we kind of gave up right there to get something uh, bigger? Um, you know, I don't know that you could get a Brian Reynolds. That That price tag has been so high. But he's not the only one out there. You know, along those lines, I'm wondering how open they are to that. You know, nobody is untradeable, but I'm wondering Definitely. if that is part of, of the strategy and what they want to do. I do think that there does need to be some shoring up to the bullpen. And what you're talking about and what you saw, the questions that I had about that is the relievers. And we found out later that Munoz was dealing with something with his foot. The relievers... In September, their whole worlds were turned upside down. Yeah. When the Mariners were losing, the leverage pitchers weren't pitching. And all of a sudden, you know, it's there are parts of me that, like, they're tired from what they did earlier in the season. And other parts of me were that they are so out of routine right now because they were used differently through that stretch. And I kind of wonder how much that had impact on what we saw at the end. I, I don't know that anybody has been figured out. I know that some of the numbers were a little bit kind of confounding at the beginning of the season, particularly with Munoz and Seawald, and they kind of evened out and made more sense towards the end. But again, bullpens are fickle. I would feel better if there were they had an ace up their sleeve, a bullpen ace type, not you know your number one two leverage guy, but have I, I would not be surprised to see them bring in somebody along those lines. And we've already seen some moves made with the 40 man, uh, a little bit of a surprise, but Casey Sadler, he was, he was granted free agency. Um, and then they brought in a couple of Austin McGee, which, uh, yeah, I've never heard of him before <laughs> that, that move was made. <laughs> Apparently he had made a major league debut of, of some kind uh, in the 2022 season, but you can leave no stone, uh, unturned here. If you're the Mariners, especially like we talked about Shannon, you know, uh, this is an off season of the utmost importance because you're trying to get back to the playoffs and not, not just get back to the playoffs, but you're also trying to advance in the playoffs, you're trying to get further than where you were a year ago. And uh, as we know, Houston is standing in the way of anything that the Mariners are trying to do, uh, which and everybody else yeah, and everybody else. Cause they won the world series. Like every, any team in the national league has to go through the Astros as well. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think it is, going to be uh the next couple of weeks things are going to pick up here and I'm I'm excited for it and I'm excited to have this platform especially given that uh we don't have any Mariners pre and post game shows to do this on Wasn't Shane. this one? This wasn't oh, this, the post game show. This is the post game of the post season of of all that. So yeah. No, we'll get into everything, but I think just looking at where they are right now, I think their needs are very well defined. And I think that we can anticipate, you know, taking that step forward and 
how they fill those needs. Again, it's going to be, I think, something more established. We fully anticipate a trade. I fully anticipate a somewhat early move. You go back to uh, the move they made with Adam Frazier last year. That wasn't the move. Yeah, and it was kind of an insurance move. Maybe he was going to be the second baseman. Maybe they were going to get somebody else and they were going to use his versatility. That kind of thing. I could see that kind of strike relatively early as well. And I don't think that they're going to hold out forever for uh, some of the bigger names. I, I think that they are more comfortable moving. I think they know when to move on, and I do think that we saw that with the shortstop group that we saw last year and how they pivoted actually pretty quickly after the shutdown. So uh, it's very early right now, but um, I would not be surprised if, if we saw something in the next, before the winter meetings. Well, whenever it happens, I'm ready for it. Like, uh, let's let's get going. Let's make moves now. <laughs> now, now. Curtis is putting it on the calendar. <laughs> All right. Until then, uh, just just kind of a, a little bit of a look at what is to come. We will stay on top of it, both on Seattle Sports, seattlesports.com, on social media as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully the next time we talk to you, we will be talking about a new Mariner.